Morning. Welcome to all of you here this morning, those watching online this morning as well. We have been in a series in the parables of Jesus in the book of Matthew, and we are concluding that series today with perhaps not only the most well-known of the parables of Jesus, uh, but perhaps one of the most well-known teachings of Jesus, or at least most familiar, uh, called, often called the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25, you have a copy of the Bible uh, in your lap or on your phone or use those in, in, the, in the seats ahead of you. Um, please help yourself. Matthew chapter 25, <clears throat> I will read verses 14 through verse 30. Uh, as we're finishing this series, stand to your feet. Let's uh, conclude by reading the word of God uh, from standing this morning, if you would. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, the words of Jesus. Again, it will be like, that is, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said... You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you'd not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may be seated. In, these, in this final parable, in many ways, the, the, Jesus is going to reinforce, I think, some of the, the central teaching that has preceded us in the other seven parables. And uh, he's going to talk about a few core truths. And the first one is what you do with your life matters. 
Okay? That's one of the big ideas that Jesus is trying to say to these disciples. And that means whether or not you're you know, uh, you know, super well-known, whether you're talented, whether you're rich, whether you have a lot to, uh, you know, to, to give, whether you're, you, know, you, you, you're, you live in, a, in a, this part of the country or that part of the country. What you do with your life, right? your short life, my short life, it matters. In this, this idea of these bags of gold which in a different version, if you're familiar, an earlier version would have said talents. It's the same concept. They're not in the same measure, which tells us something. It's not talking here about the forgiveness of sin, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The gospel says that the forgiveness of sin has been offered to all of us. We're all in the same need for God's forgiveness. So God's forgiveness is not doled out, you know, one uh, bag, two bags, five bags. He's not talking about the forgiveness of sin. He's talking about what God gives to us beyond the forgiveness of sin. That is your life itself, your, your, uh, uh, your time, right? your money, the opportunities that you have in this life. They have been given to you by God in this first coming and this after a long time, the second coming. He's representing the span of your lifetime. right? God has given every single person that has ever lived, a resources. He's giving you a set of something. Now, let's, let's clear up one thing that's helpful, I think, in thinking about it. And then I should say, he comes back, and you're going to have to give account. I'm going to have to give account for what I have done with what God has given me, okay? It's beyond his forgiveness, not what we're talking about. God has given you a life. God has given you certain resources. God has given you certain gifts. He's given you time. Some more than others. And the question is, he's going to come back and say, I want to settle accounts. What have you done with what I have given you? Now, some of us would read this and say, well, listen, you know, uh, uh, let me just clear something up. Not everyone is, it, it, it gets the same things from God. We know that, right? You don't need to be, uh, you know, you don't need to think too hard about this. Some of us come from different families, better families in a sense than others. We have better resources. We have maybe two parents instead of one. You know, we, we have an intact family. We have good education. Some of us are better educated than others. Listen, some of us are smarter than others. Some of us are richer or come from more wealthy families, better resources. Some of us are better looking, okay, than others. There is always people out there, Right? And, and even in your family or your friends who are smarter than you, who have better resources than you. There's no argument there at all. And if you have an argument with that, if you have a beef with that, and I respect that, well, then you need to take that up with God someday, okay? Put it on your list. But that understandable frustration, that understandable um, you know, issue can also be a convenient smokescreen for what I think is really at the heart of this parable. And that is not do you have more or less than others, but what are you doing with what you have been given, okay? That's what this parable is about. And in the end of time, if you, if you buy the theology of this parable, right, the, the, what, the commendation between the guy who had five gold bags of gold and the guy that had two was exactly the same well done now good and faithful servant you've been faithful with a few things even the guy with five bags of gold with this is peanuts you've been faithful with a few 
I'm going to put you in charge of many. Come and welcome into your master's happiness. It tells you something. The real question that you're going to have to answer, that I'm going to have to answer, is not how much were you given. It's all a gift. But what have you done with what you've given? What have you done with the opportunities you've given? What have you done with the relationships you've given? What have you done with the neighbors that you have, the friends that you have, the family that you have, the education that you have, the people that you work with, the, 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 the actual natural gifts and talents that you have? What have you done with them? Have you invested them? Have you made a difference? Have you, made a, have, you, have you moved toward the need that is all around you or have you simply enjoyed those things and turned them towards yourself and for your own benefit and for your own enjoyment only? Right? That's what this parable is asking us. A lot of people spend their whole life waiting for that purpose, perfect moment to invest themselves, to start that idea, to move towards that opportunity, towards that need, rather than making the perfect moment right now. Right? By the end of this parable, again, this is a parable, it's simple. These are very simple stories in a way, but they have, they're making real points. I think when you get before God and you say, well, that was a made-up story, he's going to go, yeah, it was a made-up story, but the truth in there is not made up. The truth in there is absolutely as important as a heart attack. It's as important as your life. And one of the things that you see in this parable, by the time you get to the end, which is supposed to represent your lifespan, right? Your lifespan. The master comes and gives you something. I think that master is God. And he comes back after a long time, right? It's your lifetime, to settle accounts. But what's interesting about this, one of those great uh, truths is this. No one has, at the end, the same amount that they began with, right? That's one of the things, the idea is here. The guy who had five came back with five more. The guy that had two, he ends up with two more. But the other guy who had one ends up with nothing. Verse 29, this is the big idea. For whoever has, that means you've made something with it, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, that is they didn't make anything with their investment, even what they have will be taken from them. Right? Nobody ends up with what they started. Listen, this is a metaphor, talent which was the talent, the original word talent, underlying Greek word is translated talent, does not mean you can throw a football or play the guitar. Talent was a denomination of money in the Greek system. And the bag of gold is just an update of that idea. It was like you and I, it's the largest denomination that they had. It would be like you and I saying zillions, okay? That's what the talent was. But Jesus uses a money metaphor because he's trying to make, again, it's a point, which is money is meant to be spent, right? If he said, if it was a food metaphor, it would be meant to be eaten, right? If it was an automobile metaphor, it would be meant to be driven. It's, money is meant to be spent, okay? That's what he's talking about. And the, the, just so you know, just to make the point of this one, two, or five, okay? One talent, one bag of gold, you may have heard me say this before, was worth about a half of a lifetime of wages. If someone lived a completely long life, you know, and, and, and died at a ripe old age and they had a career, they would make the equivalent of two talents. One, you know, article I read, you know, in a, a 21st century terms said one talent is worth about $700,000. Okay? Which sounds like a lot of money, but a lot of people in this room, you'll make that in the course of your lifetime or half of it. Okay? 
But what Jesus is trying to say is, listen, whatever you got, it's a sizable issue, right? That's what he's trying to say. And a lot of people are watching other people make an investment. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the stock market. I'm talking about using their gifts, using their talents, using their voice, using their home, using their, you know, their, their, their workplace. A lot of people investing it, wondering why you or I are failing to launch in making a difference in, in our lives the whole time, Jesus is trying to say, that you're having those questions and you're wondering, when am I going to do it? I'm gonna, when I retire, I'm going to do it. I'm going to use my gifts then. I'm going to start investing in that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make up with that broken brother or sister then. I'm going to do these things then. The whole time you're having that conversation, you're sitting on a bag of gold, right? That's what Jesus is trying to say. Is that you, right? Is that me? That's why this parable is here. I think it's why it's last. But here's the point of this parable in a sense. You could read it and say, well, what do those guys, I know it's a story, but what does that five uh, bag guy, what does he actually invest in? And what does that two uh, talent guy or that two bag of gold, what does he invest in? And Jesus never touches that. And I'll tell you why he doesn't touch it. Because he's not interested. He's not supposed to draw your attention to say, I wonder what they invested in. He wants his draw your attention to what you are investing in. Right? That's the point. Right? What are you investing in? What am I investing in? Let me give you this parable in a, in a, in a, in a sentence. The right time to do the right thing is right now. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying. The right time to do the right thing with what you've got is right now. Say it with me. The right time to do the right thing is right now, okay? Second core truth, you might say, that Jesus, by way of summary, right? First one is what you do with your life matters. The second one is your view of God, my view of God, will determine your destiny. Now, what does that mean, Rob? I don't mean destiny, where you're going to go when you die, because that's not what this parable's about, right? I told that the issue is not forgiveness of sin. It's about what you do with your life, your lack of commendation or the fact of commendation, and about what God, whatever this means, you've been faithful with a few things, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, it tells me that heaven, uh, if you believe in heaven, it's not a, you know, it's not a passive cloud surfing kind of experience, Okay. There's some, he says, the real work that you've done here is peanuts compared to the real work you're going to do there, okay? What you do with your life matters, but your view of God will determine your destiny. That is what you're ultimately going to do with your life, what it mean, what your life means, okay? That's what I mean by your destiny, what it adds up to. And clearly the emphasis in this parable is on the third servant, okay? The first two goes by very quick. Five becomes 10, two becomes four. He, Jesus just repeats or, uh, uh, the same words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now let's slow down, right? Then the man who had received one. Now why is this? What, what is the message here? This man or woman, this person, is not being judged for doing nothing, or, or excuse me, for doing the wrong thing, Right? Sometimes we think, well, God's going to slap my hand because I'm doing the wrong thing. I've, I've, I've stepped over the line. I've made a mistake. No, he's not judged for doing the wrong thing. He's judged for doing nothing. Right? That's 
what Jesus is saying here. And the reason he or she gives, it's a parable, is a top seller all the way into our own day, okay? It's the fear, or at least on the surface, the fear, the fear of failure, right? And maybe that's why it's the one-talent guy. I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you'd not sown, gathering where you'd not scattered seed. I didn't want to, I didn't want to disappoint you, God. There's a lot of talented people in this church. There's a lot of talented people in my community. There's a lot of talented people out there. I'm not one of them, and I'm happy. I'm humble. I'm okay with just letting other people do that work. I'm not going to go on the mission trip. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to share my faith. I'm not going to invest in this. I'm not going to take some. I'm not going to invest my gifts and, and try to do something. I'm not going to do that because I'm not all that talented. I'm going to let somebody else do that for me. That's what Jesus is, or that's what this person, I think, is trying to say. But Jesus is saying, I think, right, in his sort of tough response here, I think it's a response of love just like a parent would do to a child who maybe is making a decision that might be a risky decision, Right? And you might get in your child's face and really get serious with them and, and lay down a law or maybe make some kind of statement. You know, you're not going to do this or we will not allow you to do this. Or, you know, you might really get, um, um, get firm, because, but you, you're firm because you love them. I think out of love, Jesus says, listen, I appreciate what you're saying. But I, let, let me dig below the surface. This is not because you're modest. This isn't because you, you, you think other people um, might do a better job. This is because you're lazy and you're selfish, right? His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. And I don't, he's doing that because he, well, he says, I want you to wake up. You know, your life is, a, you, life is a, Jesus will say later, or James will say, the brother of Jesus, listen, your life is a mist. It's a vapor, it appears for a time and vanishes away. This isn't, you know, it happens to all of us, but as pastors, I get calls. Maybe once a week would be too many, but it's not too, too many um, less than that. Um, where, you know, somebody's passed away. And I'd like to tell you that most of those people are, are 80 plus years old, but that's not the case, right? It never comes on your time. Life is short, right? What are you doing with it? What am I doing with it? And what Jesus is saying is, listen, the real issue below the issue, it's not your modesty. It's not your let other people do it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, support, I'm a behind the scenes guy or behind the scenes guy. It's really rooted. It's rooted in what you really think about me, right? And therefore what you think about yourself, right? You think I'm a hard man, Right, and when you, what does that mean? I'm a hard man, reaping what I have not sown, gathering where I had not scattered. See, listen, see, listen. God has very high standards, and I'm just too afraid to get in the game of sharing my faith or investing my gifts or or or, or moving forward with doing something beyond my own needs and desires and insecurities to doing something with my life because I'm afraid I'm going to blow it. I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm afraid I'm not going to be all that good. And, 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 and it's rooted in the sense that God is, you know, this, this hard man, that God is this, uh, you know, uh, always exacting more from us than we can give, right? This guy believed he was a hard man, so he says, and it shows me, I think it's supposed to show us that his heart was closed 
to God's generosity from the very beginning, right? Is that true for you? Is that true for me, right? Do you, you just because you're a Christian, and even if you've been a Christian for a long time, does not mean the way that you view God is accurate, okay? Now, Jesus is being somewhat sarcastic here. He's not agreeing with this man. Well, if you knew that I was a hard man, demanding more from people than I could ever give back, you should have put my money in there. He's not agreeing with him, okay? Oswald Chambers, the great Christian writer, said this. My vision of God is dependent on the condition of my character. I only see from the perspective of my own bias. Okay? In other words, the God that you serve, Christian or non-Christian, is a God. God is not your father. Right? God is not your boss. God is not the Wizard of Oz. God is not, you know, um, the angry guy blowing smoke at the failures in your life. You might think that he is. It might be as, it might be down in the core of your being. You're convinced that's who it is, but that's not who he is, right? That's why it's that's why this metaphor of a bag of gold, which is worth seven hundred thousand dollars, or two times that. Or five times that. Listen, what God has given you is, is off the charts. And that's on top of the forgiveness of sin. I watched uh, a, um, the, in the third season of The Crown. Anybody watching The Crown out there? Yes. Okay. No, no, but you don't be watching TV in here, right? You guys are all reading the Bible at home and all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Me too. Uh, But anyway, uh, uh, the third season, there's a whole um, episode dedicated. The Crown is the, you know, docudrama uh, of Queen Elizabeth, uh, uh, the the current Queen of England. And there's a whole uh, episode dedicated to her husband, who in in 1969 is going through a midlife crisis. And it's the same year of the lunar landing, Apollo 11, the first time men Uh, walked on the moon. And the whole time, he has this very dismissive attitude about everybody, you know, including himself. You know, this career is a waste of time and and these people are wasting their time and the people who are really making a difference, the men of action are these people who have taken this amazingly courageous step, you know, to get in this, you know, ship and go off to the moon to discover what's next and what life is about. In the whole episode, he's waiting for it, and they're all sitting around the TV in 1969 watching it. And when it's all over, because he's married to the Queen of England, he gets an audience with these three men. And he's like, this is like meeting, you know, God himself almost. And in the whole episode, he's, he gets ready, and he meets these three men, and, he's just, and when he sits down with them, he's so nervous He's almost shaking, and he has his cards, and here he is, you know, the, the, the married to the Queen of England, the, the, you know, the Duke of Edinburgh, or whatever, you know, his title is, and, she, and he says, you know, guys, I have so, I, I too am a pilot like you are. He was in the Royal Navy, uh, Air Force, I should say, and he said, there's so many questions I want to ask you about all these technical things, but he said, he goes to his next card, and he said, I'll tell you what I really want to know. What were you thinking when you walked out of that ship? What kind of big thoughts were you thinking? What were the questions that you had as you looked down from the moon onto the earth? These big questions. And this meeting, these guys look back at him and they say virtually nothing. 
they just kind of look at him and they go, after silence, they go, well, you know, we, were, we had a checklist this and checklist that and we weren't really thinking those things. And by the time you get to this end of this meeting, all these guys care about, they say, well, 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 sir, we have some questions for you. And he goes, what are they? And he goes, how many rooms are in Buckingham Palace? <laughs> and what is it like to be married to the queen? You know, and this guy walks away. You can see in his eyes this just deflation of, such incredible disappointment that he thought this was going to be some huge revelation, this true big meaning to sit down with these men who he had so much admiration for. In the end of the episode, so I'm break, ruining it for you if you haven't seen it, but at the end of the episode, he's sitting talking to, his name is Robin Woods, who is the Duke of Windsor, who's basically like the palace priest. And if you watch the show, it's someone who he has dismissed as a, as a fool and a nobody. And he's sitting down with him, and he's apologizing to him. And he said, you know, uh, uh, Father or, or uh, Reverend, he said, you know, um, I want to apologize for how I've treated you. He said, I thought... That, you know, the, the, the solution to all of our great problems, the big answers, they were all out there. But he said, now I realize that they're in here where faith resides. But he said, I have a confession. He said, I've lost my faith. I lost it many years ago. But I'd love some help in getting it back. In the true story... Philip, uh, who's still alive, 98 years old, okay, he, from that point on, he and Robin Woods, who was the um, Duke of Windsor, the, the, the parish, uh, uh, the crown, or the, um, you know, the, the, the royal court priest, they become the best of friends until he died in the late 90s, and they started St. George's House, okay, a place of ministry that continues until this day, right? He had found himself. See, when you focus on the talents of others, right? In this case, those three astronauts. You bury the talent that God has given you, right? And some of us have been on that path for a very long time. And the first step back, I'm suggesting to you, if that's you, is a right view of God, it's a God who loves you beyond your imagination. As we sang, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it, right? The love that God has for you, listen, that song is a, is, is, doesn't even tell a quarter of the story. God loves you beyond your imagination, and he not only loves you, he has given you something. And even if it's, let me tell you something, confession. If everyone's in this parable, I'm a one bag of gold guy. But I can tell you this. If I spend the rest of my life, I, can, I don't even have time and energy to invest simply what God has given me, right? I, I, if you spend the rest of your life and you start today, the right time to do the right thing is right now, you won't finish investing in what God has given you, and he might give you something back in the meantime, okay? There's no such thing as a faith apart from risk-taking. But the people who will be the most courageous and the people that will take the greatest risks are those that are most secure 
in their love of God, most secure in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be the third man. And if your view of God is wrong, if you, if you think God is, a, is a, some kind of you know, um, demanding, exacting boss, it's time to get a new view of God. Right? Because he loves you more than you can ever imagine. And what he wants to do with you or do with me, if you and I can have a right view of God, um, is beyond our imagination. Last point in this whole series. The risk or risk is at the heart of the kingdom of God. Jesus has been saying this the whole time. If you think through these parables. Risk is at the heart of the kingdom of God. And you know there's a, there's a surprising twist in this parable. At the end the spotlight goes off the, the guy or the girl who buried their talent who out of fear or out of selfishness or maybe out of laziness buried their talent. And it goes to the first servant, right? So take the bag of gold from him, that is, the guy who buried it, and give it to the one who has ten bags, See, the view that this guy had of God, that God is just looking to drag out of us, you know, to, to exact out of us this kind of product or out of our, you know, to get our pound of flesh. And God just is, is this sort of, you know, is going to deposit this and hold on to this like he's some sort of hedge fund manager. He says, no, listen, God turns around and says, listen, take the bag from the one who buried it and give it to the guy who has 10, right? And then he gives you the principle. For whoever has, that is, you've made something with what you have, they'll be given more. And they will have an abundance. In Luke's version of this parable, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's comical. Jesus says, take that and give it to the guy that has ten. And there's like this little Greek course, and they go, Lord, he has ten. Like, why are you giving it to that guy? Why not give it to the guy that has two? But Jesus is making a point, right? For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance, okay? The right time to do the right thing is right now, right? And who knows what kind of return on investment will take place in your life. But the longer you sit on your hands... The longer you make excuses, however theologically nice they sound, verse 24 and verse 25, the more you're going to regret what it is that you're doing. Right? I've learned the answers aren't out there. They're right here where faith resides. Right? The right time to do the right thing is right now. Amen? All right, stand with me. I'm going to pray for us and we're done. God and Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, this morning with these, my friends and church family. And Lord, I couldn't begin. If there was only 10 people in this room, I couldn't honestly say I, I had, a, even if they were my close friends, that I had an honest sense of knowing where they are in their minds and their hearts, whether they're Christians or non-Christians or even as Christians, where they are you know, uh, with you. But Lord, I know that you know all things. There's not a thing in, about any person in this room that you don't know. Whether those are people, first, who might say, you know, 
they, they've, had, they've had an issue with you for a very long time. They've never saw you as very loving or very caring, and you're someone who's um, mean-spirited and um, you know, has your favorites. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that through the Holy Spirit of God, that those men and women, students, young and old, whoever we are in this room, you'd open our minds and our hearts to see, Lord, that you are anything but that. You are a God that is so full of love and grace and who, as is, is Paul said, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for me, right? He wasn't about our receptivity, our thoughtfulness, our our openness, but Lord, that your love for us, for every person in this room, is exponentially greater than the love any parent in this room would have for their infant uh, child. Help us to know that. Open our minds, open our hearts, help us to um, lay down our stinky thinking about God if we have it whether we're a Christian or not, and to be open to see you for who you are, a God who graciously forgives our sins and on top of that gives us an abundance of opportunity. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us all, beginning with me. Help me, Lord, help us to know, Lord, that um, we have nothing to fear because we are totally secure in Jesus Christ. We're not, we're not going to lose ourselves. We're not going to um, uh, fall off the cliff in a manner of speaking. But that, Lord, we have your um, love and your strength and your power in our lives. Help us, Lord, to, to see the gift that life is, the gift that our minds are, the gift that our hearts are, the gift that our homes are, the gift that our talents are, the gift that our friendships are, the gift that our family is. Help us to see that and to, and to um, redirect our thinking and to ask for help that we might invest whatever days we have left that our lives do matter and I just pray Lord that you would you would change hearts and change minds in this room Lord when I just think about the people standing in this room today truthfully the the human potential in this room is truly um, incalculable of what you could do um, with people, uh, one-baggers, two-baggers, ten-baggers in this room, what the impact you could have um, in this world is truly, truly um, incalculable. Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, to um, be free from our fear, perfect love, casts out fear. Help us to get out of the way and to confess our petty, um, you know, ideas and, 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 and um, resentments and, um, and to seek your forgiveness in greater measure, your love in greater measure. 
and I pray that you would use us, release us um, into a world of need all around us, that we might truly know what, the, what it feels like to, to be um, the, the master's happiness, so to speak, to know the pleasure of God um, in a way that we have not known it before. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.